Hello and welcome to Casting Views, the podcast with your hosts, I'm Dan. And I'm Lou. Where we pick a random topic each week and, well, as the title says, we cast views. Now, this week, I think instead of casting views, we should be called Views from a Cast. Do you want to tell everybody why, Lou? Well, you know what? It, it, it's funny, really, because it, it's a little bit unfortunate, but I'm still laughing about it now. The reason that we're going to be called Views from a Cast this week is because I've broken my fucking elbow. Like this, like it's my right hand as well, and obviously I'm predominantly right-handed, like a lot of people are. And do you know what I've started to realise? This it was my first day back at work today, and I've started to realise how difficult it really is to do things with your weak hand. Really simple stuff like I tried to butter some bread, can't do it. Obviously, you talk about the more intimate stuff, going to the toilet, can't do it. But yeah, so a little bit unfortunate. I'd love to be able to tell you that I was drunk when it happened as well, but I wasn't. I was stone cold sober, which makes it a little bit more embarrassing, I think. I did pop round to yours, didn't I, one night, and I saw you trying to trying to make something to eat, and my sympathy was laughing at you, wasn't it? Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and not helping, and yeah. not helping. Yeah, yeah, not helping. You left my mum to do it for me anyway. You just proceeded to laugh. <laughs> I wondered if you, when you tell me, I wondered if you tried, I know, like, basketball with a bowling ball or something of our previous episode I wasn't sure it, it was funny because I woke up it was it was Saturday night Sunday into Sunday wasn't it you did it and I woke up and I saw a message right and I and I, I just thought because we we were doing the crossover with the cult worthy that night and my my initial thought was he better still be able to make that so again I'm really really <laughs> sympathy no but but you're kind of you're, you're you're all right aren't you yeah I mean as long as I don't move it too much <laughs> As long as, it's just one of them like <laughs> as long as you're not standing sitting moving <laughs> yeah i've never really broken any bones before i don't think so when it happened obviously i'm a little bit fat at the minute so it was a lot of weight coming down on that elbow so i kind of feel a little bit sorry for it but yeah just just pretty funny all round i mean i did get taken to the hospital and when my girlfriend picked me up i just proceeded to laugh in the car she was getting a little bit annoyed at me that i was laughing and i was just like but what am i supposed to do apart from laugh <laughs> like <laughs> The best medicine is record a podcast, which is what we're doing. See if I can go back and get the CCTV for when I fell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just send it into TV, you get with some money for it. Yeah, I, I also had to get mum to set my computer up for me today. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm using the mouse with my left hand as well as I can, but typing is basically non-existent for me, unfortunately. Oh, so so, so I've, if we I've lose had to memorise everything for this episode, basically. If, if, we, if we lose you halfway through the episode, you've clicked accidentally, haven't you? Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, before we tell you what this episode is about, um, time for another promo from one of the podcasts in, in our a friendly little family of podcasts that we're a member of. This week, actually, I have to be honest with you, it, it was one of the first podcasts when we started, I started listening to. Um, they're called Unchefed, and it's Matt and Brendan. Firstly, if you're not listening to them, why not? You should do. Um, check out their website, unchefed.com. And the first thing I'd ask is check out the About page because they've both got their, st- their own stories are fascinating in their own right so yeah check out the about page to find out more about matt and brendan so they're a podcast i want to say you look at it and you'll think they're about food but there's so much more than that they look at like the the politics the culture the the history of food one episode that really stands out to me and i think I, i i remember telling you about it is where they say that depending on where you can eat in america determines your political leaning 
<laughs> which isn't something we think about here. I don't think we have it here. And that was just yeah. fascinating sort of as a, as a, as a Brit to, to listen to that. Um, you know, but they go, they, they've discussed like the, the perception of veganism in the States to whether local is better than organic. So yeah, check out unchef.com. We'll hear from them now. Hello everyone. This is Brendan from the Unchef podcast. Each week on Unchef, we unpack a topic regarding the politics and history of our plates in the hope of becoming better eaters. That's Unchefed, available now on your preferred podcast network. And we're back. So this week, right, and for a first time, we're going to do a part one to the, add a part one to the end of the title, Lou. Ooh. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to this subject. Yeah. And like when I then started looking at this, I had a, I had a, I had a list of about 25 and I thought, no, no, let, let's split it up. So there's going to be, so, so therefore there's going to be at least a part two and I think possibly a part three, but we'll, we'll do that at some point in the future. Now we're going to talk about unusual competitions, right? And I think it stemmed, didn't it stem from, I was flicking through the, like a paper and I saw an article which I sent you and it was, um, it was about, um, was it a mullet competition in Australia, I think. Yeah, and I, I, so, I just yeah. sent it to you because I thought, what a funny story. And I thought, <laughs> podcast idea so uh, <laughs> so we're gonna talk about yeah unusual unusual competitions do you want to start off yeah yeah i'm happy to start off let's get through before the pain factor kicks in so <laughs> yeah yeah maybe before all of the you know i'm not on any painkillers come on come on can't do yeah, it can't so, do it <laughs> so go on you kick off you kick off i've stayed strictly british with my selections for stupid competitions because we have lots of them here yeah. And you know what? I'm actually not, you know what? I feel like it's unfair to call them silly because there are some people that take them very seriously. And our first one has its own Netflix um, short <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, it's the Netflix series called We Are the Champions. And I think, is it episode one? It's I know episode that you've seen one. It. It's yeah. episode one. <laughs> yeah. And it's all about Cooper's Hill cheese rolling competition. <laughs> yes, you heard that right. Cheese rolling. <laughs> cheese rolling. Now, again, I feel like you're not really going to get anything like this in the States. So what I'll do is I'll run through what cheese what cheese rolling is <laughs> um, and, and kind of what, what it entails. So it's an annual event held on the Springbank holiday at Cooper's Hill near Gloucester. Um, and Cooper's Hill is a really, really steep hill. It actually yeah. has like vertical gradients and it, it averages out at about 50 degrees. Yeah. So it's a really, really steep hill. It was traditionally held for people that lived in the local villages, but basically as it caught on and more and more media reported on it, people actually do travel from all over the world. <laughs> There's people that have participated and actually won this event coming from Canada, Australia, all sorts of countries. People come from all over the world. Now... What happens is they basically take a four kilo round block of Gloucestershire cheese and roll it down a hill. Now, from what I understand, the distance is about 200 yards. I don't know what that is in proper money. 200 <laughs> yards, what, like 120 meters or something? You, maybe? You, you carry on. I'll have a quick look. 200 yards, you say, yeah? Yeah, 200 yards. Now, what the people do is they roll the cheese down the hill and the competitors in each race chase the cheese. <laughs> and it's basically the first person over the finish line at the bottom of the hill wins the cheese. Now, traditionally, apparently the objective has been to catch the cheese. However, the cheese has a head start and it reaches <laughs> speeds of up to 80 miles per hour. Hold on. I, I want to stop you there. First, it's just under a, a touch under 183 meters. Oh, wow. That's a long distance. In that last paragraph, you said you've said chase the cheese. 
catch a cheese and and oh there was something else but yeah chase and catch a cheese brilliant yeah i mean it is a mental event obviously there's this netflix documentary on uh, on it as well the first written evidence of cheese rolling was found in 1826 but modern records in terms of winners and that sort of thing start in 86 um, 1986 <laughs> but yeah um there's multiple races each year i think there's only one women race per year, one women's race per year and there's I think three now separate men's events each year. Um, the Netflix documentary <laughs> is presented really madly because it's an American commentator. And it's kind of like, do you know when you listen to one of those murder mystery documentaries? Yeah. That's the voice that they've used for it. So it's like, in a small town near Gloucestershire, three men race a cheese down it. Do you know what I mean? That's the way it's presented. <laughs> My memory seems to be like, it would be like they're talking about a Formula One driver or, or you know, it's like they're charting the journey of, a, yeah, of, a, yeah, of an yeah. athlete, aren't they? It's yeah. taken quite seriously, the programme. Yeah, they follow one main protagonist, I guess we're going to call her. <laughs> yeah. um, and she is um, a previous three-time winner in which the women's, women's event, which is impressive because there's only one women's event every um, every year. And it basically follows her journey to whether or not she can become the all-time leading ladies champion basically cheese roller i won't spoil the documentary because it's only half an hour and i would recommend anyone to go and watch it um, because it's actually quite good i don't know i I cringed at first and then started to really quite enjoy it it is yeah i mean we're we're kind of saying it in a in a in a fun tone and it is a fun you know if you're explaining this to someone it is quite it does sound like a joke the documentary is actually really interesting to watch isn't it yeah, she's she's quite a, a funny character as well because very very posh, and very <laughs> yes, received pronunciation, right. yes, yes. and then just randomly chasing a cheese down a hill. <laughs> so yeah, um, in it as well. So I, I don't know if there's a limit on competitors, um, but from what I understand, there's multiple races, and I think the third men's race or fourth men's race um, was actually added because there were so many people that wanted to compete. Mm. Um, in it, you see a little bit about um, the champion in terms of the men's competition as well, who's won twenty two races 22 wheels of cheese um that man's run one sorry (laughs) um as well the documentary touched on injuries and that sort of thing as well i mean it is brilliant even if you don't watch the documentary just google cheese rolling on youtube or just go to youtube and look at cheese rolling it is hilarious because the slow-mo that you get yeah she suffered (laughs) quite a bad injury as well yeah she um, busted her collarbone and it never fused correctly so she has just got a lump in her shoulder basically Um, where were you Lou you weren't in Gloucester last week I went cheese cheese rolling (laughs) practice Um, but no it's actually it's actually pretty brilliant it's taken very very seriously as well Um, they actually get members of like the local rugby club to basically stand at the bottom of the hill and they are there as literally literally their job title is people catchers it's the wall isn't it yeah yeah basically so you can't go and then there's a little bit of like a, a warning so they've got signs up all around the place being like you compete and attend at your own risk and all they've got is like some chicken wire fence in front yes, of yeah. a, a four kilo block of cheese traveling 70 miles an hour down a hill and then there's a clip in it where there's one of the organizers turning around and saying please understand that the cheese comes down the hill rather fast you are responsible for your yes. own injuries <laughs> because that's the thing so, so for people listening who haven't seen it you know we call it like a race but it is like Lou like you said it is a really steep hill and you fall down it you don't well you don't even fall you tumble down it don't you? yeah it's it's basically like saying that you're failing to swim you're not failing to swim you're drowning yeah so it's not like you're racing you are just falling off a cliff 
Um, I actually had to look at statistics in terms of injuries as well, which was quite interesting. So basically the usual um, injuries that you see dislocated like limbs, so that's shoulders, fingers, um, knees, that sort of thing. Broken ankles is um, a pretty common one. You see a lot of concussions as well. And again, in the documentary, you can you can have a look at this on YouTube as well. There is literally just a video of a completely flat KO'd bloke just literally tumbling down this hill. Like, it is it's awful. Do you know what? We keep saying it, but I think for this, we will link a, a video on Twitter, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be a, a yeah. great illustration. Yeah, there is no pulling out of this one. Once you start you're ending up at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. You, once you've committed, that's it, you're finished. You, you're in for the ride. That's it. It's like getting on a roller coaster. You ain't getting off until that thing stops, <laughs> basically. Except in this instance, you're being thrown around like a rag doll. The, the question I've got for you, right, is, so I remember growing up, this event was often shown on TV or in the paper. It would come up every couple of years as one of these really funny events, you know, on these lighthearted moments on the news or something. So I kind of knew about it that... But did you, I mean, you knew about it because you mentioned already that this was what you wanted to do. But is it something you remember seeing? Yeah, I've seen it in the news and that sort of thing before because I feel like it constantly gets covered when somebody has a bad injury. Although, again, looking into it, not a single person has ever died in a cheese rolling event, which I think is bloody impressive considering how fast, like you, 70 miles an hour in a car on a motorway feels quick, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Now imagine it falling down a a, a a hill at 70 miles an hour. And I'm not going to lie, people dressed up in costume, dressed as Snow White, because that's what some people do. Just even going at four kilometers an hour on a treadmill is, is enough for me. Jim. Yeah, honestly, it's absolutely brilliant. But like, basically, if you want to experience cheese rolling and you're listening to this, if you walk to the top of your stairs now and just go limp, that's down. what cheese, that's, that's what you're, that's what cheese rolling is, basically. But again, you know, well, not, not without spoiling it. And like I said, yeah, do do watch the episode if you can. What's interesting is, like I said, I'm just still amazed at how they treat it, that like the kind of the um, the respect this program is giving it for the competitors. So if I remember right, she is trained or she gets training from the male champion on how to fall isn't it because ultimately this is what it is it's like is it like that line from um is it um toy story where it's like I, i'm not flying i'm falling with style or something i can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah basically yeah 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 there is like yeah falling training basically yeah yeah oh <laughs> no it's 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 brilliant and and what, i think they win the cheese at the end right yeah yeah they all get given a cheese at the very end of it as well um it, it is just hilarious it, 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 it is just hilarious there's so many great slow-mos but yeah they, they win a cheese now how much that cheese is worth i actually don't know i can't imagine worth breaking a leg for but it's not the one that pride, falls down the hill is it so have they got to pick out all the tufts of grass <laughs> well i actually did find out that apparently one year they replaced the wheel of cheese with like a foam substitute because there were safety concerns and then they just went back to using a four kilo block of cheese the safety concerns that can only be for the people at the end the dangerous bit is the people falling down <laughs> <laughs> this is what i mean this is what i mean <laughs> and then yeah like i said you get big big crowds as well don't you and um but you know what amazes me we always joke or complain in this country about um health and safety has gone mad you can't do anything i'm actually surprised that this event still goes on yeah well with regard to that there have been a number of um 
issues with the police and that sort of thing, basically saying that you'd, the, the organisers would be responsible. Um, it was officially organised and then it was banned. However, I think basically the members of the community have basically come back to host the event and it's all basically you're responsible for your own injuries, whether you turn up, whether you're whatever. There's no liability for the person that makes the cheese. There's no liability for the people that organise it because it's all like, is like it, volunteer stuff. Is it gone underground? Is it like fast and furious cheese rolling? They meet up at night, you know? Lights on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like all of a, all of a sudden you see the police turn up and everyone scatters. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's um, a St John's ambulance are basically the ones that provide the, provide the ambulance service at the bottom of the hill, um, and there are just videos of people again being stretched down and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, if we're being honest, if you're looking at other sports, if we're going to give them credit, what, name another sport where someone doesn't die every year. And I know, obviously, many more people play football than go cheese rolling, and many more people play uh, boxers than go cheese rolling. However, no one's died. Yeah, some fractures, some concussions, some broken elbows. <laughs> it's not even the fact of no one's dying, right? It, if, if, for me, if you take that out of it, it's... I don't think any other sport... You could argue... Okay, you could argue boxing, right, is probably one of the only other ones. There is no other event where people are deliberately injuring themselves because you are going to get an injury of some sort i don't I, even if it's just a sprained ankle you're going to get a bruise right <laughs> yeah well statistically i actually think that the injuries are one in three so for every thousand okay. participants there are 333 injuries now the injuries vary from what are severe in terms of broken ankles and that sort of thing to mild in terms of like a mild concussion or a sprain <laughs> mild um, yeah, yeah, yeah mild, 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 <laughs> being mildly concussed as opposed <laughs> yeah. to um, but, but yeah i mean you know it, I, I don't know i i think that if someone died i think the authorities would intervene yeah, yeah. but at the minute it's kind of like it, you know there are kids that go out and snow like get plastic sheets and goes like snow what do you call it where you're like fall down a hill when there's sledding. snow on it sledding, sledding. Yeah. oh my god completely lost my mind um people kids that go sledding down really quick hills when there's fences and stuff at the bottom as well so i mean really yeah, what can the authorities do it's all volunteer it's all volunteer it's all people that are willing to compete you know it's, you've not it's, got someone at the top it's like you better go down and just yeah. get kicked off the end <laughs> it's um it is just so british isn't it yeah yeah it, it's the fact that it's cheese i mean that is just, um, that has got to be a tradition of some sort. They might as well just take that out and just have people, can you imagine that? If people just stand at the top of a hill and then just throw themselves down it for no reason. There's nothing. It's, it's the excuse of this block of cheese rolling down, down the hill. Yeah, this is the thing. And you know what? I wonder if maybe this could be a sport, but in other parts of the country as well. Like if it's Surrey, if you threw a bottle of Dom Perignon down a hill, whether or not people in Surrey would all of a sudden love to compete. In some parts, <laughs> it'll be a bottle of Diamond White. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our flashbacks to school there. Right. But yeah, I just, you know, it is a brilliant thing. It's hilarious to look at. I mean, like I said, the, the documentary takes it very seriously. But then again, I mean, for the local community, you are hailed as like a, yeah, a champion yeah, yeah. at this. Yeah. So, you know, the, yeah. you, you do have your own Wikipedia page. So I kind of get it. it. It's kind of one of those like cultural things that I guess, you know, is really significant for local community and evidently is actually becoming quite popular because people are traveling genuinely from all over the world. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, so if you want to come over... Where was it? What town was it called? I forgot. Uh, the town was called, it's near the village of Brockworth in Gloucester. 
Gloucester. Yeah, have a look. See if you can sign up. And uh, if you do, let us know and we'll come cover it. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, cover yeah, it. yeah. We'll come in. We're not, not going to do it. We'll be waiting at the bottom, <laughs> out of the way of the cheese and people. Cool. So are we saying that's number one, cheese rolling? Yeah, cheese rolling, number one. I think it was by far the best one that I had. <laughs> okay, right. This I'm going to start off with a fairly... It's going to not seem overly unusual, but the reason I've chosen it is just for the depth it goes into. So I am choosing the World Beard and Moustache Championship. For me, it's just brilliant, and we'll go into it, but it's, it's the rules, it's the categories and the classes. So this, I think, started, or it's mainly held in Belgium every year, I think. Yeah, so, so it's once a year, and judging is based on 17 distinct categories, broken down into moustaches, partial beards, and full beards. For our American friends, we've got the National Beard and Moustache Championships. So the beginnings of this is, I, I had a look at the worldbeardchampionships.com slash history, <laughs> if you want to look at it. Like many things, the history of the sport is shrouded in controversy. One Italian group claims that it held the first championship in Northern Italy in the early 1970s. But it seems more likely that the first modern competitive bearding began in 1990 in Germany. In America, in 2017, the Austin Facial Hair Club was host to the largest World Beard Moustache Championship, welcoming guests from 33 countries, 738 competitors and 27 categories of more than 3,000 people in the audience. (laughs) And it was the first championship to allow the creative fantasy and realistic categories for women and men who would rather create their facial hair with a variety of crafting items. Proceeds from the event were donated to Livestrong Out Youth and the Farmers Assisting uh, returning military now you know i'm looking at you now and you've you're sporting a full quite a, a, a healthy looking beard and moustache yeah. aren't you so <laughs> yeah <laughs> is this something um is this something you'd want to do well you know what having a look at the website because i'm scrolling through some past winners and you know what i think that if i was consistent i could kind of, I, I think i could i think i could do this i think you could i mean for those in America now, I'm, you know, I know we've got a big American audience. The 2022 championship is going to be in, I believe it's Wyoming, but it's going to be in Casper, Wyoming. So if you're, if you're there, the 12th of November this year, get yourself in. And again, let us know if you do. If you can hold a Casting Views logo up, that'd be brilliant. Take a picture. Oh my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> yes. Yes, please. You know what? I'm sorry, just something completely separate. Maybe that's what we need to start doing, asking our viewers to go near their local landmarks. <laughs> do you know what? That's a, that's a brilliant idea. Yes, please. Any podcast who listen to us, yeah, have a, photo, have, have a picture, like Lou says, either at a funny event or a, or a landmark with our, with our logo, please. <laughs> or maybe, we could, maybe we could sponsor some beard competitors, <laughs> yeah. like the favourites and that sort of thing. There are some amazing, there are some amazing beards on this website. My yeah. God, I'm getting but I'm, I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read some of the categories right from and I'm I'm on the nationalbeardchampships.com so this is the American one right so under moustaches you've got the natural moustache judges will be looking for a natural moustache with no styling aids present and it must not begin growth from the skin at distance further than three quarter inch beyond the corner of the wearer's mouth any length of hair is accepted you've got the styled handlebar moustache you've got the groomed moustache I like this one you've got the English moustache and that is a narrow, slender moustache with the hairs extended outward from the middle of the upper lip. The tips may be slightly raised. Hairs growing from beyond the corner of the mouth must be shaved. Styling aids are permitted. You've got the Dali moustache, the freestyle moustache. 
Uh, that is free design and styling of the moustache. All moustaches not meeting the criteria for other categories may compete in this one. Um, I love this, right? Styling aids are allowed, but additional structural materials such as wire rope or lumber are not permitted. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use scaffolding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How big is this moustache? Right, and I, I like the last moustache one is the Uber stash. And that was new in 21. And the moustache must not begin growth from the skin at a distance further than one and a half inch beyond the corner of the wearer's mouth. All hair growing from more than one and a half inch past the corner of the mouth must be shaved. The moustache ha- hairs themselves will have no regulation on length. Unlike most moustache classes, the sole patch will be accepted. Any or all styling aids will be permitted and a natural look is recommended. All right. So that's moustache. Then you've got partial beards and I'll, I'll just sort of skin trees you've got the natural goatee shaped the natural goatee less than 18 inches wide the natural goatee greater than 18 inches wide the natural sideburns friendly that's because it's the mustache shall be connected connected on the upper lip also known as the friendly chops um <laughs> i like this grooming aids are permitted but excessive use of aids will result in a deduction from the standalone value <laughs> Now, now, when you talk about grooming aids, is that just like beard oils and stuff to like hold it together, if that makes sense? I think we'll come on to that. But I think it is, yeah, like oils and things like that, I think. You've got the the musketeer, uh, the, the Donegal, the whaler, the goatee freestyle, the sideburns freestyle, and the partial beard freestyle. Which, again, in that one, the last couple, you're not allowed lumber, wire, or ropes. <laughs> and... For full beards, it's it's pretty much similar. I think I could be in a full beard category. Yeah, and then you've got the now. <laughs> well, you've then got the creative ones, which I think are the fake. Well, the the um the crafted ones. You've got the realistic moustache. You've got the creative moustache. Um, the creative moustache. The general idea of the creation should be able to be recognised as a moustache. There are no restrictions on the materials to be used, except for what may possibly be illegal or dangerous to others. <laughs> Uh, it's it's great and that's why and that's kind of why i wanted to pick this because you think okay it's a beard and mustache but it's actually got an organization it's got a cross-continental you know organization developed from it and there are so many categories and rules (laughs) so uh, you know what, what do you think yeah i feel like if you gave me a year worth of good growth i could i could style something pretty impressive to be fair i would love to say that i'd be able to do an english mustache because i've had a look at now some of the pictures of them and they are so class but i feel like that is way too that like, it must genuinely be like years and years of dedication to the craft <laughs> i'm kind of mocking because you know i really want to rock a full beard like that but i haven't got the patience to be honest to you what fascinated me was about the use of things like lumber i mean that's that's what it is i mean i'm just picturing like a log of wood or something you know <laughs> well do you know what it is as well i had a look at the website now as well and talked about the prize money and apparently there's a thousand dollars up for every category with i think 600 for the winner 300 for the second place and 100 for the third place so i guess if you're known in your town for having a great beard you throw yourself in the mix. Could you not work smartly on this? So could you have like a full beard and moustache and enter one category, then shave a little bit to be able to enter another category, <laughs> then shave it to leave the moustache? So could you potentially win like 3,000, you know, because you've got the full beard, the partial beard and the moustache. I'm thinking you could probably 
work your way from the top to bottom on that, right? Yeah, you know what? From what I can see, I don't actually think there is anything that says that you can't be part of more than one category. <laughs> Look at us already trying to cheat. Yeah, yeah. We're literally just like, how can we make the most money? <laughs> and here you go. On this, the grooming aids are considered oils, balms and other hair products without hold. Oh, without hold. Without wow. hold. Okay, okay, right, right, right. Then you've got styling aids. They're hair products with hold. Right, okay. And then the additional structural materials... In regards to freestyle beards, additional structural materials could be wire, string or other non-natural, non-naturally grown and attached to the wearer materials that might hold the beard parts up or together. So brilliant. So that's my number one. Like I said, it's not necessarily outrageous, but I just love the fact that it's a um, it's a proper organised quite. And I reckon it's probably quite competitive. The fact there were 3000 people in the audience in Austin, Texas in 2017. So Yeah, like they've even got merch and stuff on the website. Yes, and looking yeah. at the people, like, to be fair, some of the beards are really impressive. And you can tell people have been growing them out for years and years because the level of growth, and I've literally just seen a bloke who's, who's basically made his beard like a bird's nest, if that makes sense, or like a bird cage. Yeah, He's yeah, like yeah, molded yeah. it into. <laughs> um, I think it's pretty impressive, to be fair. I like that one. And I feel like I would I would be willing to enter that one as well. This is one we could do. No danger, no injuries. Yeah, yeah. No, you just look a little bit rough when you go to work for the first, like, six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there we go. That's my number one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I actually like that one. I think that one's pretty impressive. Right. Do you want me to skip to my second one now? Let's let's do let's do your number two, as it were. Right. Obviously, I said that they had a British theme. Um, I mean, I'm bringing up this one <laughs> because it's been likened as having a combination with um, Gloucester's it's Costa's famous cheese wheel roll. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm sorry to all of the people that live here if I'm murdering the name of where <laughs> it is, but it's Atherston's Ball Game. Okay. Ever heard of it? Not the name itself. but Medieval Football. Do you know what? I think it's one of these things I probably saw on a kid's show, yeah. but no, remind me, remind me. Okay, so it's in Atherston, Warwickshire. Um, and it's played on Shrove Tuesday, and it started in 1199. Wow. Right? And I just want to say, just before we move on and and talk to you about kind of what it entails, in 2021, the game was cancelled for the first time in its 821-year history due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, man. That is unbelievable that it's been going for that long. So... The match is started at 3 p.m. on a Shrove Tuesday, usually by a celebrity guest and someone usually associated with the area. Now, hold on. Celebrity. (laughs) You can't see it. I've got the air quotes. Is it celebrity? Yeah, yeah. It's celebrity. (laughs) But I I think it's E-Lister. However, there have been some people who have participated. And I'm going to give you one big name. And I think you'll be pretty impressed by one of the participants. Okay, okay. Now... Basically, it's it's a gigantic like leather football type thing. It's probably the size of do you know like a medicine ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's played down one street, and it's a two-hour <laughs> game, and it sees two groups of players or multiple groups of players basically try and keep hold of the ball. Right. Okay. So far, so playground. Yeah. So <laughs> far, so good. Now the winner is declared at five o'clock. So this is two hours after it started, and the person that wins is the person who's got the ball. When the game ends, Brilliant. so two hours of getting Brilliant. the ball. Now I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm about to say this. This is crazy, right? The game itself has basically no rules, but there are two that you kind of have to adhere to. 
<laughs> the game is restricted to Long Street, which is basically the venue um, okay. of, of the game. It's basically just one road. Yeah. Um, the ball is thrown from um, the Conservative Club in Long Street um, to commence the game. And the other game, and no word of a lie, there's literally refs, right, who are there to make sure it doesn't happen. The other, <laughs> the other... Sorry. The other rule is that participants are not allowed to kill anyone. <laughs> And there are literally referees whose job it is is to make sure that none of the participants kill each other. That's so 1199 though, isn't it? That's it is yeah. unbelievable. So basically, it, again, you can watch footage of this and it is mad because shops board up because they know the game's happening. And there is literally, it's, it's basically, again, I'll, I'll read a quote. The New Zealand Herald described it as combining all the best aspects of UFC, volleyball and Gloucester's cheese wheel roll. <laughs> the event is policed by officers from Warwickshire Police while members of the West Midlands Ambulance Service are on standby to treat injuries. Now, basically, um, prizes are awarded to anyone who gets hold of ribbons that are basically attached to the ball. So the ball's got loads of ribbons attached to it. Um, and you basically get prizes if you you can claim one, that sort of thing. And then the overall winner is the team that has possession of the ball. But if you watch footage of it, there is literally blokes in like full-on scrums throwing punches at each other for possession of this ball. It kind of sounds like what you were saying last week in the sports one about letting footballers have at each other kind of thing. That, that, that is what Yeah, this... this is basically unrestricted football um, down the road. This... This is actually amazing because, like I said about health and safety in your first one, I, I am actually amazed that this still goes on. Yeah, and the thing is as well, again, um, the violent nature of the matches led, <laughs> led, led to local authorities and police to try and have the game banned, but the local parish councillors basically said, nah, fuck that, <laughs> we want to play our game of medieval football. So they couldn't ban it. Um, there were there were actually legitimate violence. I think in 2019, there were like full-on brawls, not even going for the ball, just full-on brawls with yeah. people um, basically coming out and just knocking the absolute shit out of each other, pretty much. Um, the only time it was abandoned as well, 2020, it was abandoned because the steward was collapsed um, from a heart attack. <laughs> well, okay. so the game was okay. abandoned then. Um, but yeah, if you look at it on on YouTube again, go and have a look at this event because it is literally mental. And again, like you said, to think that this is still going ahead and still taking place is actually a little bit nuts. Um, <laughs> among those to throw the ball out to the crowd, Sid James did it. Oh well, wow. okay, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and also Gordon Banks. <laughs> wow. Okay, so, so for, for listeners who may not know, so Sid James was carry on, right? He was yeah, in the carry yeah. on field. And Gordon Banks was... Uh, was, was Oh, what a save! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> England goalie, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing I, that struck me when you were reading it outright, and I'm not sure if I do did know this one right, so that's, that's, a, that's a brilliant one. When he said the shops shut her up the windows and stuff, it kind of reminds me, like I... I, I said about going fast and furious on the cheese roll. It reminds me of a Western, you know, when like the evil gunslinger rides into town and you see the, <laughs> the saloon owners and stuff boarding up the windows. It kind of, I've kind of got that vibe, you know, these one end of the street, one posse turn up, the other end of the street, the other posse turn up, you know. <laughs> oh, brilliant. It is honestly, it's absolutely amazing. We, now. we should go. Should we? Should we should, you know what? I actually think that this is one that you could go to just to watch. 
I mean, Warwick, you said. Was it Warwickshire? Yeah, it's Warwickshire. Yeah, yeah. That's not too far. Yeah, sure. If Tuesday. Have a look. Tell you what, you do that and I'll see if it's on this year. What 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 was it called? Sorry, the It's the Atheston Ball Game. So A T H E R S T O E N E. Now if you're listening while I'm spelling that out of my uncle, entertain yourselves for the next two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, what, what um, I was gonna say, sorry, is to our listeners, international listeners, please do come to this country. Not everything every game we play is violent. Yeah, do you know what it is as well? It's like I feel like um people that don't have any context of Britain feel like it's like oh the British are so regulated well, in actual fact what real Britain is is it's blokes punching each other over a lever ball <laughs> yeah I um I missed the key point didn't I you said it was on Shrove Tuesday didn't you yeah yeah it's yeah. already been and gone it did it, it did happen oh my god you just want to see the pictures this is on the uh BBC. honestly it is amazing <laughs> oh my god. Now, apparently just... the game was massive actually... <laughs> this is what I mean <laughs> Now, apparently the game was actually played through the town and then was later restricted just to be down one street. Um, I imagine because there was too much chaos that was basically... Um, there's, basically people uh... on the, there's people on the building balcony looking <laughs> yeah, at it. And there's a guy with a selfie stick taking a picture holding it up. I mean, this is this is brilliant. This, they're actually going for it. And it kind of reminds me... Um, I'm sure there's a game mode in Halo where it's something similar where the winner is the, the team holding the skull at the end or something. <laughs> there, there is a picture. I mean, there's hundreds. I thought it was like a football game, but it's not. It's just, it's hold, It's literally holding onto the ball, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Know. It's literally a ball. And like I said, it's like medicine ball sized, isn't it? Yeah. And so it's literally just like groups of people bundling um, to get, get hold of this ball. It is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I mean, again, it, it's kind of one of those traditions. Now, 813 years, I think, is what it is. Um, or, or 820 odd years or something. And genuinely, I feel like the local is so ingrained in every generation at that point that it just has to continue, doesn't it? Yeah, there's, um, there's a picture I'm looking at. It's just close up. It's just a, a whole throng of people. Although, it's funny, someone is holding up a camera in the middle of the crowd. I mean... How, how they're not worried about losing it but at the front of the picture so imagine people are standing up you see their heads but there's a, a leg that's pointing up so someone is upside down in the middle of this crowd you just you just see a trainer genuinely amazing event definitely check it out again give it 100% go on youtube and look for footage of it because it's, it's genuinely brilliant one last thing i'll say about this right that i think the winner has said Mr. Sheldon said it had been easy to hold on to the ball at the end as he had hid it under his T-shirt. It had popped and oh, it had popped. And then I quickly took it and put it under my T-shirt. And me and my friend were just in a deep hug. I mean, that feels dangerous to me. That just feels like you're you're asking to be piled on. <laughs> yeah. Do you, know, do you know what it reminds me of? It's a bit like, do you know, in Monsters, Inc., where the guy gets the sock on him and they're like, 2319. Yeah. And then the, the monster yeah. gets bundled. That's literally what holding that ball does to you. I'm looking at some pictures now and there's a bloke hanging on what is like a telephone wire off of a building, just throwing a right punch <laughs> at another bloke. I am gutted. <laughs> I am gutted. We, we only just missed this by a week, just over a week. So let's, um, yeah, let's maybe do it next year. Honestly, yeah, week. genuinely, I would honestly, I would actually happily go to this. I like, well, I like yours in different ways. I think the first one is just, it's just brilliant for the sheer spectacle. This one is just crazy. Yeah, Th yeah. This is, it's just putting people in a, in, 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 oh, oh, crazy, just letting people at each other. So, 
But you know what? I bet you the town is better for it because everyone gets... All, it's a bit like... A, basically, what, what the town of Averston do every year is have an annual purge. Could you yeah, Could you imagine, right, going into the pub at the end afterwards, the guy you've just been punching in the face, trying to get that ball, and you're sitting there having a pint with him saying, well done, mate. Yeah, yeah I, I'm telling you, I bet you there is no crime in this place. Well, there's probably loads going on while that's happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... Like I said, I'm telling you, all they do, basically what they've done is they found a way to have a purge without calling it that. <laughs> oh, dear. Are you okay for me to go to my next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Right. Do you know what grits are? Grits are... My only reference to the understanding of grits is uh, my cousin Vinny, where he asks for it <laughs> in that restaurant. He's like, yo, what are grits? <laughs> yeah, so but, this... But yeah, no, it's something you can eat. This is specifically, this is for my, uh, well, for our American friends, especially in uh, South Carolina, I think it is. So grits are kind of, the way I would see it is, I think they're kind of like a porridge, but made with cornmeal instead of oat. Anyway, yeah, they're kind of like a creamy looking food, right? But anyway, this is a contest called Rolling in the Grits, right? And I'm going to read just the, the little blurb. I've took from website and then I'll, I'll kind of read a little bit about the history. So this says there's no overstating the importance of grits in Southern culture and cuisine. So it's no surprise that there is a world grits festival held each year in St. George, South Carolina. Incidentally, they are the self-described biggest grit eaters per capita in the world. Less expected though, is one of the events tucked into that weekend long exaltation of boiled cornmeal. And it's called the rolling in the grits contest. But this matchup players are weighed. So, so players are weighed. They then hop into a kiddie pool filled with 27 cases of grits. And then contestants have got 10 seconds to get as much of that food on them as possible. <laughs> 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 and there's no kind of, you can do whatever you want. So competitors, you, you can fill your clothes. So sometimes they wear baggy outfits or tape. They tape the bottom of their, their trousers or, or jogging bottoms. So that way you can fill up your, your joggers with it and it won't come out at the bottom. And they tape their sleeves shut to hold more. Then after the 10 seconds, you get weighed again to see how much you've collected. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, are you allowed to, for instance, scoop it up once? Yeah, you've yeah. You can. Yeah, no, well, you could do what you want. Basically, you've got 10 seconds to get as much of it on you as possible so like i said you can tie up the bottom of your trouser legs so you can scoop it oh, into okay, your trousers okay you tie up your your, your shirt sleeves so you can put it in you i mean what i don't know is can you eat it <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what that's a great point to be fair and and i love the way it started as well right so it basically in 1985 the the manager of the saint george piggly wiggly supermarket great name guy called Bill Hunter was giving a broker of large grits company an order. The broker made the remark that his company shipped a lot of grits into St. George, considering how small the town was. So it's around 2000 people at that in that year. A week or two later, another broker from another grits company made a similar remark about his company shipping such a large amount of grits into the small town. The manager spoke to the two owners of the Piggly, Piggly Wiggly, and they all agreed that if it proved to be true, that they did consume a disproportionately large amount of grits, that they would do some research to find out just how much they ate. As it turned out, the people of St. George actually ate more grits per capita than any other place in the world. And, and the website for it said, we are the grits eating champions, all in capital. Thus, the World Grits Festival was born. So, yeah, it all kind of come from the fact that 
they just said, you know, you know, you order a lot of this item. <laughs> and it's basically held in April. It, well, it was held in April in 1986 and served in that capacity until 1988. It's drawn much attention to the small southern town, considered to be a bedroom community of Charleston. It's been estimated that the crowds during the three-day events sometimes exceed 45,000. Bloody hell. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, is this only an event really in reality because no one likes grits? Well, no, well, no. It's, 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 yeah, it's kind of born out of that crazy. Someone says something crazy to each other. It's like you, you order a lot of grits. You do order a lot of grits. Shall we find out if we eat a lot of grits? We do. What should we do? Let's do a competition where you have to roll about in it. <laughs> I feel, but I wonder what other foods you could do that with, like Nutella, for instance. You could definitely roll around in Nutella. Like if we were to do a British version of that, because I feel like that's something that you could export all over the world. <laughs> yeah. Like in Italy, if we went back to Italy and we turn around to some of your cousins in Italy and say, we'd just do it with tomato sauce. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess the, the thing that Grits has got going for it is it's like a, a loose consistency, but also, um, what's the word? It's rough. So you can scoop it up and pick it up. Yeah, yeah. I guess the tomato sauce is going to be quite runny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I love it. I mean, I'm not going to go into them, but the, the website, there are so many comments from people and it's like, um, I haven't figured it out yet. Why would people want to roll in grits? <laughs> um, uh, this year, oh, wow, I've got a thing. This year, Tiffany McGurr, I don't know when this word was, Tiffany McGurr set a new record gathering 66 pounds of grits in her 10 seconds. 10 seconds, 66. How much 66 is that in kilos? 66 pounds. Yeah, this uh, as she said, she said, wear big clothes and bring duct tape. You gotta grits it up, said Tiffany McGurr. She picked up thirty kilos of grits in ten seconds. Unbelievable! Yeah, people. that is amazing. Again, this is something that I'm actually going to have to watch um, because I feel like this is going to be brilliant. <laughs> and I know we've got. Well, I I, I know because I actually asked last night our group of podcasting friends if we had any in south carolina and i, I know we do i think the uh, sugar-coated murder they're from there so if you're listening let us know if you if you know of this rolling in the grits it sounds fun it sounds yeah, crazy yeah, but yeah. compared to the two you've raised it sounds fun <laughs> yeah yeah this one this one i feel like you just turn out to have a bit of a laugh um, and I've just realised as well from the images, they actually just do fill literally a paddling, kids paddling pool <laughs> yeah, with yeah. grits. And then just, people just launch themselves in. I mean, the cost is fairly low, right? Other than the 27 cases of grits or whatever. But... <laughs> <laughs> this is brilliant. This is brilliant. So, yeah, a quick fire one. But I, I just love that because it's food related. And yeah, it's just, it, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I can get on board with this one as well. Again, one that I'd probably be happy to compete in. Yeah, maybe we should bring it to the UK because I'd be much happier if it was Nutella. <laughs> right, I'm going to move on to my next one. And I think you've probably heard of this one um, because I think it's been reported in the media quite a lot. Again, very British. Um, it's shin kicking. Do you know what? No, because <laughs> I'd like to think that was just something you did at school. I can't believe it's um, So shin kicking, also known as shin diggings or purring, <laughs> is a combat sport that involves <laughs> two contestants attempting to kick each other on the shin in order to force their opponent in the ground. Apparently, it's been described as an English martial art originated in the 17th <laughs> century. 
Now, it's an event at the Cotswold Olympic Games. And you might be thinking, what are the Cotswold Olympic Games? So it's an annual, basically, like festival um, after the Springbank holiday. Um, and the Games began, it's um, reported in 1612. And they were on and off, basically. But the most recent like iteration of them began in 1963. Now, there's a number of events that are in the Cotswold Olympic Games, and I've been on their website, and funnily enough, they actually give you the rule set for shin kicking. Um, it's one of the sports which took place in 1612, and we're still doing it to this day. Um, although we've made it a bit safer since those days. I, I'm going to have a guess, right, at what shin kicking the rules could possibly be, right? <laughs> right, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what then. What do you, th- what do you, think, what do you think it entails? A shin and a kick. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Although originally, from what I've read, they were allowed like steel toe-capped boots and stuff back in no, the day. No. Yeah, no word of a lie. However, now there's a pretty stringent rule set. So with regard, there's basically four rules. With regard to equipment, competitors must wear long trousers and can cushion their shins by using straw. And they'll be provided with white coats representing the traditional shepherd's outfit. Footwear may be trainers, shoes, or soft-toed boots. Any form of metal reinforced toe on footwear is expressly forbidden and will have you excluded and barred from future events. But back in the day, evidently humans' shins were a little bit harder and they allowed that sort of thing. (laughs) Um, A competitor begins by holding his or her opponent by the shoulders with their arms straight. So basically, imagine if you stood on arm's length away from someone, you put your hands on their shoulders and they did the same thing to you. Okay. And a contest is decided on the best of three throws. So if you throw them twice, it results in a win. And then there's a note that says this may be reduced to one throw in the event of poor weather. So irrespective, they play outside. (laughs) Um, And so from what I understand is that you must throw someone whilst in the process of kicking their shin. Okay, okay. So you have to be kicking them, you've made them off balance, and then you throw them to the ground, but you can't push them or like basically boot them to the ground. You have to kick them in the shin and make them lose balance. Um, There is actually someone who referees this. They're known as a stickler, (laughs) and they decide basically whether or not somebody's cheated. Um, And they can also decide who's won in the event that it basically goes on for too long. From what I understand. So how do you cheat at that? How do you cheat? Well, I think that like kicks or like pushing people to the ground without a kick is something that needs to be um refereed on basically um so i think the the parameters for throwing someone to the ground are actually quite stringent for it okay okay i mean you've gone i've noticed a theme with you you've gone violence you've chosen yeah, you yeah, won't you know what, yeah. Violence today. yeah i did yeah yeah i mean to be fair all i feel like the most violent ones well when you look at my our last episode on sports i enjoyed all the violent ones i was like let's just give yeah. them swords in fencing i was <laughs> like let's just take away the, to the archery board yeah. yeah i was like exactly put the strength of trainers on the archery board let's up the stakes <laughs> but yeah i mean so again it was discussed that um some people used to wear steel toe boots basically to try and build pain tolerance back in the day and that's why they did it or like stuff that was capped on the, on their feet that sort of thing um obviously much safer now um ambulance crews again attend the events in the event that someone i imagine cracks a shin or breaks a bone or something um but yeah again you can have a look at it and it basically looks like two people who don't really know how to fight have a fight Whilst also covered it, in straw. I thought Knuckles was bad. Do you remember, did you ever play Knuckles as a kid? Oh, was that where you used to put um, like your fist and then you used to knock the top of the other person's hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we need to um, 
Maybe we need to do a calmer one for you next week, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what then. What I'll do is I'll go very, very mellow. I mean, it is really funny because they've all got white jackets on. So if you look at pictures, it's on the top, they basically look like they work in a lab. And then on the bottom, they look like the um, scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz. And then there's literally just a bloke <laughs> watching over them. And they're just punting each other in the legs. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Is there, and I guess, is there like a regulatory body or sort of competition authority for this, is it? Yeah, no. So from what I understand, it's just overseen by the Cotswold Olympic Games, like, organisation, if that makes sense. And I have to say, their website is actually rather quite posh looking. They've got like, Do you know what? It's, a really it's nice funny website. That, <laughs> it's funny something like that happens in the Cotswolds. I was there last year and it's a beautiful part. I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine anything like that going on there. Yeah, the Cotswolds is kind of like Western London, if that makes sense for anybody that's... I guess in a general, general sense, it's kind of like very west of London. It's a really hilarious thing to watch again. And like I said, it just looks like two drunk mates having a fight. <laughs> oh dear. I know we're coming up to an hour, but I want, I want, I want to get one yeah, more Yeah, squeeze in. your um, last one in and then we'll work. Is, is that all right? Yeah, yeah, Is that yeah. right to move on? Yeah. Was there anything no, else? No, no, that? no, that's everything. I wouldn't want to take part, but would happily cover this one if you wanted to go to this yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, actually, is there one this year? Do you know when it is? Ah, oh, I tell you what, I'll actually find dates on it. Start reading your next one. I'll see if there's yeah. a date for it. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm sure if if we find out, if the shin kicking authority is listening to us, I'm sure they. Who, who isn't listening to us, right? <laughs> if the shin if the shin kicking authority is listening to us, let us know when it is. Um, and yeah, again, we'll come cover it. Um, right, my final one. Get ready. So this says move over shot puts and javelins. <laughs> there's a new throwing game in town, right? In Finland. Finland, home of the air guitar. And oh, actually, no, I'm not going to read this one out because this is I'm going to feature in part two. Right. So Finland, home of the air guitar is also home to a new national sport, cell phone throwing. <laughs> and it is it is what you think. Right. It says, as with any sport, there's a reigning champ determined. Oh, I'm not going to get this right. But Savonlina, Finland, every year since 2000. It took place in 2019, August 20, with contestants vying for the longest distance and the best technique with phones that were provided or donated, right? So for anyone concerned, it's, these are all, none of these phones are functional and all of them were responsibly recycled afterwards. And what do you think the, the winner gets as a prize? A brand new phone. A brand new phone, <laughs> yeah. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Right, so a little bit on it. So mobile phone throwing or cell phone is an international sport started in Finland in the year 2000. It is a sport in which participants throw mobile phones and are judged on distance or technique. The world record holder is Dries Feremans with an official, and sorry for the pronunciation, but an official Guinness World Record throw of 110 metres, 42 centimetres. I swear to God, is that not longer than like world records for like javelin? It is, I'm reading that right. 110M, 42 centimetre. <laughs> yeah, so Hang on a minute. Let me have a look at like the world record for javelin. <laughs> you do you do that right. I'll carry on. There are usually four categories in the sport. You've got the original, which is an over-the-shoulder throw with the farthest distance winning. And it's a best of three competition. You've got, <laughs> you've got freestyle. Contestants get points for aesthetics and creativity. And they've got choreography next to it. I don't get, do you, you know, do you do a little dance round? You've got team original. Up to three competitors have one throw each with their scores added together. And you've got a junior one for children aged 12 or younger. 
the phones used vary not just between events but between competitors with any phone that weighs over 220 grams being acceptable at some events the choice is down to personal preference from those provided by the event organizers while others provide only one model of phone so yeah and there's i mean there's a load of rules you know i won't necessarily go into it but it is basically kind of what we said about you know it's over the over over the shoulder throw it tends to be which again over the shoulder i'm still thinking that that's a hell of a distance that is sorry just just for some context what's the name of the bloke that thrown this is mobile phone 110 meters i don't know it's dries so d-r-i-e-s and it's ferriman's f-e-r-e-m-a-n-s right for context the world record javelin throw is 98 and a half meters sorry so, yeah, 98 metres yeah. and 48 centimetres. Well, almost pretty much a centimetre, 12 metres more, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that is <laughs> ridiculous. He must have an arm like a cannon to have thrown a mobile phone that far. Imagine if you're throwing... You know what? Imagine if they did it with Nokia phones. They could be able to use the same phones for the last 100 years. Never yeah, break. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. You know, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else that really kind of stands out. I mean, hold on, there's an interesting bit here so lawrence university has hosted a rotary phone throw in 2005 6 and 7 this competition has similar rules to the mobile phone throw yet uses a rotary phone <laughs> well, cord and everything <laughs> yeah i mean w- watch out for that yeah and then it's, it is around the world so you've got it in spain but we've also again for us our american listeners you've got on the 1st of August 2008, the United States held its first national championship in South Hadley, Massachusetts. The United States event has also dedicated itself to recycle, recycling the phones. There was a second cell-throwing, cell phone throwing contest held in the States on the 5th of July 2009 in, uh, again, I hope I get it right, Chicopee, Massachusetts. The finalist for the American event was Daniel Taylor from San Diego, California. He threw an iPhone for a distance of 78.9 yards. That's 72.15 meters still, though. So you said the javelin was, did you say javelin was 98? Javelin was 98. I mean, javelin is an aerodynamically sound thing. Yeah, aerodynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, I'm just trying to see if there is anything else. Um, Freestyle phone throwing is an event held in which contestants enter a mat that is around one inch thick to soften the impact in case a fo- in case a phone is dropped. I mean, it's a phone throwing event. <laughs> anyway, but players begin performing a. Se- oh, here we go. Ah, uh, no, this is where it's different. Players begin performing a series of tricks that include various flips, spins, high throws, etc. If one drops one's mobile phone, he or she is automatically out, and judges take the score from that point. One minute is given for a total run time, and after the minute is up, if one has not dropped one's phone, he or she gets a score from one to a hundred. Right, okay. So you're basically throwing it, catching it between the legs, that sort of thing. Yeah. Right, is okay. it like is it ha- hacky sack? Hack- hacky sack? Is it? You remember? You know that like little bean ball that is. Oh, you're probably telling me it was young, in yeah. a computer. Game. <laughs> was, well, no, it was, it was a very. I think it was an American thing, but it was in a video game. Oh, right, um, right. Okay, okay. Phone classes include the standard phones, which are free, to $50 phones with either no moving device, such as slide or flip open, or with the standard flip open style. The second class is the advanced class, which includes phones with full keyboards, <laughs> slide movement <laughs> devices, side kick flip devices, or touch screens. 
This class is based on the fact that if the phone is dropped, there is more of a consequence since the phones are so elaborate and or expensive. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is amazing. Do we have a branch in the UK for this yet? Do you know what? I'm not sure. I The, the countries I've seen it, I mean, I, I, there was loads. There was I saw it in Spain, the States, Czech Republic, Liechtenstein. I'm not sure here. And just, just to finish off the... Oh, and I've seen Austria, but just to finish off, the current records are, yeah, well, so it was in 2014, Dries, the men's world record holder is Dries Ferriman's 110 metres, that's 362 feet, jeez, and the women's world record is in September 2017, Yvonne Wiener, I think, and it's 67.58 metres, which is 221 feet, I mean. I think that's still further than I could throw a phone. Further I'm, I'm, still... I'm gonna go. To, you know what? I've got blackberries that I don't like in my drawer. I'm old blackberries. I'm actually gonna go out to a field. Oh, I can't because I broke my elbow. Um, when my elbow's <laughs> yeah. fixed, I'm actually gonna test this one. No word of alarm. Testing this one. That is. I'm still. You know, and I'm seeing it here, and and I, I, I still can't believe that they've thrown it that far. I mean, like I said, the whole thing, especially an iPhone. I can't remember what what year I said it was. It was a few years ago. The iPhones were quite big, right? You know, as you throw it, you've got to throw it pretty straight on, right, to make sure it then doesn't, you know, turn and then have more of its surface exposed to the Yeah, the I wind, guess you surely. kind of want it like spinning like on its edge, cutting through the air. Because I guess they're pretty, they're, they're slimline. That's the way they're supposed to be built if you're throwing an iPhone. But no, that that is impressive. For me, what it is, is I don't get how you can throw it further than a javelin. Someone will probably explain the logic. A javelin, like I said, is a is a smooth, well, stick, for want of a better word. And just throwing it, and it's cutting through the air. I, also, no, I bear know. in mind, can we also appreciate the fact that these javelins are thrown by athletes who have trained their entire lives <laughs> to throw javelins, and they're not throwing it further than some big Finnish bloke is throwing an iPhone. <laughs> I feel like his his talent is wasted. He needs to go and be. Yeah. He needs to start. He needs to start throwing stuff professionally. He's like, does it then mic drop or phone drop? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I guess the, the the takeaway from it as well, though, is I guess there's a good thing behind it as well about recycling, you know, and it's disposing and recycling the phones, right? I guess uh, there's a thing. I just think it's brilliant that the, the prize is a phone. You just hope that they, they don't think it's the next um, the next event and they throw that one. Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden it's like the prize and they're like, oh, yeah, this one will do me. <laughs> but it's just as well like the freestyle where you're like, you know, keepy up, basically, keepy up with a mobile phone. <laughs> Again, I'm going to have to look at this one because this one must be amazing to have a watch to see what people do. I've actually seen a clip of a, a woman doing some sort of like yoga pose and, and basically bending backwards, her, like her, her leg has gone over her head. And then as she's let go of her leg, the phone is catapulted off of her leg about three feet. <laughs> so uh, she didn't get much for distance, but in terms of skill points, 100% 10 <laughs> out of 10. Oh dear. Yeah, so, so, so that's me. So what we also, do you want to just... Re- recap yours. Yeah, so I had the cheese rolling. Um, yep. I had the um, ball game, the Atherson ball game, which is basically just rugby mixed with boxing, mixed with an, like a, a, a public disorder <laughs> <laughs> with a riot or whatever. Um, and then I had shin kicking. <laughs> so, and on that, I remember what I forgot to say to you. I love the fact it was classed as a martial art. <laughs> yeah, British martial <laughs> art. You know, Jean-Claude Van Damme is the you know, shit kicker. Do you know what it is? Do you know what? One, one thing that we could finish on as well is 
do you think in some, if, if you believe in alternate realities, do you think maybe boxing never caught on, but shin kicking did? So for instance, in an alternate reality, we're sat here talking about boxing like it's some amazing thing. And the O2 arena is packed out with <laughs> 60,000 people watching them shin kick. You never know. You never know. Maybe in a hundred years, who knows? If these these are these are survived all this time. And mine was the World Beard and Moustache Championship, the grits rolling in the grits and the cell phones. So if anyone has seen this, or even better, if you've taken part in any of those, please, please get in touch with us. That'd be brilliant. Oh my god, it'd be amazing. We should go to a couple of these as well. The British ones we should go to. One thing I wanted to do before we, we wrap up is I, I I keep meaning to do it and keep forgetting to do it so I've, I've now remembered I, I kind of want to just say you know thanks to the people who do listen to us and do leave a review if, if you do if you are listening to us please leave a review um, or a rating where you can you know it's, 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 it's much appreciated and I just want to say on good pods at the moment as time of recording we've got um, five stars from Decaying with the Boys we've got five stars from Josh at Talking Smack we've got Antonio um, at the Cultworthy has given us five. We've got five stars from Chat Tsunami. We've got five stars from Shane from the Shane and I uh, podcast. And we've got a brilliant, actually, really nice review and five stars from the Lords of Swine. Um, this was our, remember, this was our sporting one. This was such a wonderful episode, funny as hell and super entertaining. As an uneducated American, I had to look up the difference between snooker and pool. Loved your guys' suggestions, especially the ones you mentioned about boxing. The snooker pinball flipper cushion was my favourite, though. So good. Great job, y'all. Keep up the amazing work. So so, so thank you to all those. And like I said, yeah, you know, it really means a lot if, if you leave us a rate and review. Don't forget to check out Unsheft, whose promo we played at the start. And I forgot to say, we're actually trying to get, we're working on a collaboration with them. So keep an eye on that. You can get hold of us at castingviewspod at gmail.com or at castingviews on Twitter. Uh, before we go, do you want to say bye, Lee? See you in a bit in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> and we know there's a lot of podcasts from which you can choose. So we thank you for listening to Casting Views. 